I'll ask you to turn this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4 in the Word of God. Uh, just one announcement to make. Brother Chris Simpson left his cell phone up here on the platform, so we've been updating your Facebook page for you. We have just changed your life. Where is Brother Chris? You are now a never-Trumper. Hillary supporter that voted for Bernie Sanders. He used to be the pastor of Walters Grove Baptist Church. I'm sorry, I'm joking around instead of preaching. I have an advantage this morning um, because I'm preaching out of John chapter number 4, and yesterday Brother Dana Williams preached the message I gave him out of John chapter number 4. So he's already given you the introduction to what I need to talk about today, and I have an advantage as a result of that. I don't have to read the entire story of the life of the woman at the well because we are familiar with it from the message on yesterday. And so I just have a couple of verses that I'd like to draw your attention to. And it is verse number 23 through verse number 24. Now keep in mind the story uh, that we have before us because we will be tapping into several truths that rise out of the story. I want to preach, Pastor, if it's okay with you this morning, I want to preach this morning on the subject of the power of worship. John chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, let's start at verse number 23 and read down through verse number 24. Jesus said to the woman at the well, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. May I stop and just make this comment that that's not either or, that is both and. You cannot have spirit without truth. And you cannot have truth without spirit and know the power of genuine worship. They must come together. And Jesus said to this woman at the end of verse number 23... For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. You talk about a seeker-friendly church. Let's really talk about what a seeker-friendly church looks like. What is the Father seeking to happen in the church? Verse number 24, definitive statement concerning worship. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I am convinced more in this hour of my life than ever before that worship is the most powerful privilege that we have. It is important to your life. It is important to my life. And I want to tell you why worship is so important because we become like what we worship. If we worship an idol... We will either make that idol look like us or we'll start looking like that idol. Uh, You can look at a map that shows you the third world countries all over this globe and you find false worship of false gods. And they take on the image of these false deities 
They take on the characteristics of false gods. You can go into Africa where they worship the rivers, the Nile and other rivers uh, in Egypt and in that continent. And they make themselves look like alligators. They, they manipulate their back to make it look like there's bumps on their backs like alligators. Into the world of the Orient, you'll find them worshiping false gods and they try to become what those gods look like. And the Bible teaches us that when we make an idol and worship that idol, we become like what we worship. So much so that when we worship God, we are being conformed to his image in that worship. The power of worship can change us. It is worship that Jesus knew would change that woman's life. Right at the heart of what that woman needed more than anything else was to learn how to worship. And as soon as Jesus, listen to me, church, as soon as Jesus saved that woman, he made her a worshiper. It is unnatural for a person to be saved and not have a longing to worship God. There is phenomenal power in worshiping the Father. What's wrong in so many churches in this generation is the market-driven mentality that says we need to talk more about man and his needs and less about God and what he wants. We've got too much meology in this generation, not enough theology. We have reduced, I didn't come to be mean about this, but we have reduced our Sunday morning services down to a 15-minute devotion that talks about you and I and we have forgotten to talk about the Father. We have forgotten to talk about the Son. We have forgotten to talk about the Spirit. And all things that should be true about the church, it should be a pillar and ground of truth. And then on the other side of that, we have these churches that are so bound to formality that they reject the idea that you can be happy about what you believe. I'll never forget the day that I heard Milford Biddle say, he said, faith in a feeling will never produce a fact. But faith in a fact will always produce a feeling. Powerful. True worship can change your life. True worship can change a church. I want to make this very simple, write it in boxcar letters without stutter, without stammer. I want to say to you this morning, we would be better people if we worship better. We would be joyful people if we learn to worship. We would be fulfilled people if we learn to worship. We would be uh, content people if we learned to worship. Worship is the ultimate privilege of my life. Worship is the greatest duty of my life. Worship is the deepest need of my life. And we must worship with power. But we come in too many church services where the worship is manufactured, propped up with human minds and we think this would work here and we try to plug and play our worship and it is not bound to spirit and truth. I'm passionate about what I'm telling you today. We have lost our spirit of worship because we have lost the truth of who God is. You know what the problem is in this generation? 
We don't know who God is. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. The glory of God came down in that temple insomuch that Isaiah's life was changed. His tongue was changed. His mind was changed. His career was changed when he saw the glory of God in the temple. You listening to me? And he saw those angels surrounding the throne. And I have so much to say. I got to pack 10 pounds of sausage in a five pound bag, all right? But he saw those angels surrounding the throne and they said, funny, funny, funny is the Lord God Almighty. Love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah saw the Lord for who he was. And it changed Isaiah forever. Unless you learn to worship, you'll be like a bird in the water and a fish in a tree. God made you for worship. Am I okay, Pastor? God made you to worship. As a matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul... I may not get past the introduction. That'll be just fine. When the Apostle Paul went into Athens, he saw a people that naturally worshiped. Because God created men to worship. And if they do not worship the true God, they'll create a God. But they will worship something. They'll worship a God of their own creation or they'll worship themselves. They change the glory of God into an image of a man. Are you listening? And we're doing that in the Baptist church, by the way. We're worshiping preachers instead of God. I believe everything Brother Barnes has been preaching. I believe everything Brother Fleur has been preaching. All these men have been talking about the influence of their pastor on their lives. I believe lockstep everything they're saying. But you better be careful that God has the preeminence in your life. You listen to me tonight. What I'm saying to you is that we must worship according to the power of worship. And that power is unloaded through spirit and it is unloaded through truth. When I studied the word worship, I found out that it comes from an old English word that literally means worthship. Uh, the word worthship in the archaic languages means it is a word that causes us to respond with a perceived worth of what we are exalting. In other words, when we see in God something of worth, we exalt that point of worth. When you get to Revelation chapter number 5, when all of this innumerable multitude is surrounding the throne, and in verse number 12 through verse number 14, they start out by saying, Worthy is the lamb worth y'all getting this worth he is worthy there is worth in him we've taken a measure of who god is and this is what he is worth to me and by the time you get from verse number four down to verse number six in that same chapter the bible said they fell down and worshiped it started out with worth and it ended up in worship They took a measure of who God had been to them. And this is what they said. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive. Are y'all getting this? Power. Riches. 
wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. Thou art worthy. And they fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and forever. Well, evidently, God wanted this woman to learn that lesson. And so as Jesus wanted to teach her about water, he took her to the well. And as he wanted to teach her about worship, he started talking about the temple. And he taught her the meaning of worship. Look at verse number 22. Jesus said to this woman, ye worship, ye know not what. Now, wait a minute. Let's back up and look at how religious this woman was. She, had a, she lived a trash heap of a life. She went from man to man to man to man. She was married and unmarried and married and unmarried five times. And the man that she was in a relation with currently was not her husband. That is what, that is what unauthentic worship will produce. She was a worshiper without truth. She didn't know what she was worshiping. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in verse number 22, ye worship, ye know not what. She was worshiping without a meaning. She was worshiping without one to worship. And there are a lot of people today in the church that are doing the same thing. We've got this football spirit in the church. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. I love what's going on around here. We've got this, but we've got on the other side of this, we've got this football spirit in the church. We've got this idea that we need cheerleaders, somebody like a praise team to prop us up and promote us and get us going. There's no truth in that. There's idolatrous worship. God said, my name is jealous. You worship anybody else besides me, you'll suffer the consequences for it. You say, how can God be jealous? Isn't jealousy a sin? Well, when there's only one of you It's righteous jealousy. Now, there are a lot of preachers in this building. So if I become jealous of another preacher, there's so many preachers in here that my jealousy becomes sinful. There are a lot of women in this building, and if you become jealous of another woman in this building, it becomes sinful because there's a whole bunch of other women. There's only one God. So he can be jealous... With a godly jealousy. He can be angry and not sin. It solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? And he said, you try to worship somebody else, you will suffer the consequences for that. I will reject that worship. And he also, not only is there idolatrous worship, but there's insincere worship. Jesus said, boy, I'm trying to, I'm trying to move. Jesus said that you, that this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And the very next verse, Brother Falur, he said, in vain do they worship. I'm just trying to tell y'all what the Bible said. Are y'all listening to me? I didn't mean for it to get quiet. I'm just telling y'all, y'all don't have a problem with the Bible, do you? 
What I'm saying to you is there is an insincere worship. There's iniquitous worship. There's idolatrous worship. Jesus taught this woman what real worship looks like. Watch it. The meaning of true worship. Number two. Look at verse number 23. Not only do we see in verse number 22 the meaning of true worship, but in verse number 23 we see the method of true worship. Jesus said to this woman, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers. I'm okay with that title. Fine with that title. I'd wear that title. That's what we need to be. True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then on the other side of that, just in case you dismiss that out of your mind, Jesus underscored it by saying, by the way, the Father is seeking someone to do this. You listening? Now you'll notice with me in verse number 22 through verse number 23 that this woman and Jesus are having a discussion. He's telling her the truth and she is making a case to offset what he's saying. Just like Brother Simpson preached on earlier. She had a problem with authority. That's why our worship wasn't authentic. And in verse number 20, she said, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now what was happening here is, this is uh, Gerizim. Uh, she's in the, the location of Gerizim. And on Mount Gerizim, there was a temple that had been built as a uh, rival temple to the temple at Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the Samaritans had rejected the Jews and the Jews had rejected the Samaritans. The Jews would not worship with the Samaritans and the Samaritans would not worship with the Jews. So what they did was they went down the road and started their own church. And they said, we only believe five books of the Old Testament. Now all they had was an Old Testament. They rejected 35 books. The only thing they believed was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, right? So they said, but they had spirit. And they said, we don't want so much of that authentic, demanding legalism. We don't want so much of these laws. We're more interested in spirit. So we're going to worship here. We will never go there. Now, on the other side of that, the Jews had built a temple in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the law had become a God to them. And they had rejected truth. Uh, They had rejected spirit. They had totally dismissed the idea that even the Sadducees rose out of that understanding that there was no such thing as a spirit. There's no such thing. That all came out of an overemphasis on the truth of the Old Testament. It was a misapplication of 39 books. But they had 39 books that they accepted. These had five books, limited truth, a lot of spirit. This crowd had 39 books, limited spirit, a lot of truth. Is this making sense, Brother Dana? Are you listening to me? And Jesus said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. It's not about where you worship, it's about what's in your heart. He said, there is coming a day... When the true worshipers will worship the Father and he brings the heart into the matter. 
And he says, this is how it must be done. There must be not either or, but both and. There must be a balance of worship that draws you. When you hit the ground, buddy, I'm all for it. Let's run the aisles. Let's hang from the chandeliers. Preach the paint off the wall. I'm talking about go nuts. It is fine with me. I'm all on board. I was under Sammy Allen for five years. Fine with it. But when you hit the ground, you better hit the ground running right. With truth. When you, when you begin to dismiss truth so you can have spirit, you're out of bounds. And when you begin to say, we want a more dry church, we want a Bob Jones church. Am I okay? That's what we want. We want it to be textual. We want it to be technical. We want it to be formalized. We want it to be, we already know who's going to come on the platform. And when they come off, the next guy's going to come on. And when he goes off, the next guy's going. I like the way it's done here at Bible Baptist Church. I love it. I mean, there's order and you can tell the Holy Ghost is the one that's putting it in order. Y'all listen to me tonight. What I'm saying to you is there is a method to worship that Jesus demands. I was reading behind Vance Havner the other day. And I tell you, you start quoting him too much from the pulpit, you'll get in trouble. Vance Havner said, worship with spirit and no truth makes us fanatics. But worship in truth with no spirit makes us formalists. He said this, we don't have to fry to death in fanaticism. And we don't have to freeze to death in formalism. You listening to me? I'm talking about the method of worship. Number three, last of all, look at verse number 23. Verse 23. I love this ending statement at the end of verse number 23. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. I want to say something, church. If you came to church today seeking something, I'm glad you did. And I hope you find exactly what you're looking for. Unless you're seeking one of my daughters. Now, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> but if you... <laughs> I felt that mean streak come up on me when I... Listen to me. You come to church today seeking something? You know what Rick Simpson said? Rick Simpson said, a seeking sinner and a seeking Savior will always find one another. You come to church seeking the Savior, I promise you, you'll find him if you'll come. Seek him. I'm not talking, I'm saying, listen, you come to church today and you're looking for a blessing. You come to church today, you needed encouragement. Oh man, there's people in here just right on the cutting edge of stopping everything they're doing because they're discouraged. And you came to this meeting looking for encouragement. You came looking for power. You came looking for truth. I'm so glad you came seeking. But there's somebody else who came here seeking today. The father came. And he came seeking. Sometimes I go to church seeking something and I leave disappointed because I didn't get what I was looking for. And I wonder, Brother Randy, how many times God comes and he's seeking and he walks away from his own house 
disappointed. He's seeking such. He is seeking for worshipers. He is seeking for those that have spirit and keep a premium view of the truth. If you come to church and you hear a good sermon, uh, you come to church to hear a good sermon, sometimes you may leave disappointed. You may not have a good sermon that day. If you come to church to hear good singing, you may live disappointed. You may not have a good song that day. If you come to church looking for fellowship, you may leave disappointed because everybody might have got out of the bed on the wrong side of the bed that morning and you may leave disappointed. But I'm going to tell you something. If you come seeking worship, God is looking for you. You are exactly who God's been looking for. You are exactly who he's interested in. So if they sing and I came to worship, their song's going to be a blessing to me, Brother Roger. If they preach and I came to worship, that preaching's going to be a blessing to me. If they they fellowship and I came for worship, that fellowship is going to be a blessing to me. But if I came solely for those purposes, I may leave unfulfilled. But if you came to worship, there's a lot of things can be fixed in a church service if we just meet to worship. Just meet to worship. You can worship during a sermon. What's getting quiet in here? I love. Let me tell you something. We've been we've been celebrating the old men of God this week. We got Roger Henson in our congregation this morning. We walked in. I'm telling you, a chill went up and down. Like like uh, that uh, Matthews guy, that thrill that went up the leg when he saw Barack Obama. I had that thrill up my back when I saw you, Brother Simpson, this morning. He's not even a Democrat. I'm saying when Brother Sammy stood up last night, man, something happened, something broke inside of me when that man of God stood up. There's something broke inside of me when I saw Brother Blue this week. It just blesses me to be around these men of God. They taught me the way. I had one of the deacons from our church throw his arms around my neck last night. That was awkward. He threw his arms around my neck last night and we talked about Brother Allen, we talked about Brother Blue and the influences and the fruit of these men's ministry that is being yielded out in all of these men's ministries. What a blessing. I came to worship God last night and God let me shake hands with Stenet Ballou and it made my worship even deeper. I I hugged the neck of Sammy Allen and my worship got deeper and I walked up on the platform with all these guys I went to college with and my worship got deeper and deeper and deeper but we all know that none of us would even know each other had it not been for the grace of God, had it not been for Jesus that put us in this church together. So as much as I love these men, I love them because they love the Father. There's a God inside of them. There's a God. There's a God inside of them and there's a God inside of me that has never disagreed. So... I love these men. There's something inside of them that's inside of me. And when we get together... It is so precious. What'd you come to church for? I didn't come to hear a certain preacher. I can worship if none of the preachers show up that was supposed to be here. Well, we went through a we went through an age in the eighties and nineties when if 
If the certain preacher didn't show up, and we live by that sword and we're dying by that sword. Well, I'm not trying to meddle. What I'm saying to you is this. What means more to this service than anybody else is all of us to focus on Jesus, looking to Jesus. I want to read something to you. I'm, my 30 minutes are about two minutes away, and I'll be finished, okay? I read something the other day, and I often read between, uh, read, read guys that uh, don't agree wholeheartedly with what I would believe, and I wouldn't agree with everything that they believe, but I read about a pastor that was over in China. He initiated Bible studies, started churches in communist China, and this is what he said. I just want you to hear it, okay? This is what he said about worship services. He said, in many services... The people think of that service like it's a great play. You listening? They view church like it's a play. And somehow, the preacher on Sunday morning is the actor in the play. And the people have come to watch the preacher act. They are spectators in the play and spectators in a play always become play critics many think like play critics he said they acclaim the service when the preacher did well but when the preacher doesn't do so well they become critics. When the musicians do not well, they are critics of the play. When the ushers do not well, they are critics of the play. When the pastor does not well, they are critics of the play. And the entire service becomes like watching television in their mind. This is what he said, Brother Blue. And this is what he said. That is not the way God intends worship services to be. He said, if you must make your Sunday morning service analogous to a play, here's how it is. The people are actually the actors. The preacher is the play director. And God is the audience. The Father is seeking worshipers. If you take this message to mean that you need to calm down and be quiet, you took it way out of context. But what I am saying to you is this. Faith in a feeling will never produce facts. But faith in facts will always give me a feeling. You listen to me, church? God is seeking worshipers. Father, thank you for the day. We pray that you would make us authentic worshipers, true worshipers. In the name above every name we pray, in Jesus' name.